It's a Wednesday, and that means we visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. We're brought to you by Blue Tail Medical Group, great alternative to surgery. Doctors Bayes, Crane, and Wolf will keep you in the game by what they offer as an alternative to surgery. See what they're offering in Chesterfield, bluetailmedicalgroup.com. Well, Brian Walton, the uh, the playoffs are here. Had a, a fun game last night with the Red Sox and the Yankees, and now it's the National League's turn, and that means it's the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Good morning to you, and uh, this should be a fun night of baseball. Absolutely, Dan. It's a pleasure to talk to you on the on the eve of this big game. The whole season comes down to one nine-inning game, and, of course, Max Scherzer, the, the local product who's been so successful for so long against Adam Wainwright. And, for me, this feels like the best possible situation for the Cardinals, which is come in in that one game and punch and knock out what is still, in my opinion, the best team um, in baseball, which is the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, you know, Scherzer obviously is a, is a tremendous competitor. He reminds me a lot of Chris Carpenter and how he approaches his work on the mound. But there's a crack in the door, and that is that Scherzer, his last two times out, uh, gave up 11 runs in 10 and a third innings, and that's very uncharacteristic for him. You don't know if maybe he was cruising or, you know, maybe there's, a, you know, some fatigue or a minor injury. You know, he's not as young as he used to be. Of course, neither's Wainwright. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of the coin, you know, both pitchers are well-rested. So, you know, there's no reason why those two couldn't pitch deep into this game. And, of course, with a 26-man a roster, teams can uh, put a number of pitchers ready, you know, and, and they'll be probably quicker with the hook than usual, even though these guys are, are top-line guys. For example, on, on the Cardinals' side, uh, and then, we haven't seen the rosters yet, but we believe that uh, both Dakota Hudson and Miles Michaelis will be available for long relief. Then, of course, you have Kim and potentially Jack Flaherty as well. So you could potentially have five starters uh, you know, ready to pitch this game for the Cardinals. You know what's interesting is how we saw the game play out last night with the Red Sox and uh, the Yankees, to your point that, hey, if a guy's not looking the way that you want to see him go, you're going to pull him. And that's what Aaron Boone did last night with uh, Garrett Cole. And you may see that tonight with either Wainwright or Scherzer. Yeah, you know, it's a very similar situation, Dan. I mean, Garrett Cole is, was considered the best pitcher on either one of those two rosters. And, you know, in, in that big game, he didn't have it. The Red Sox own the Yankees, and, you know, they're moving on. And the Yankees, with their huge payroll and big-name guys, are, you know, having to go back to the drawing board and figure it out. And, you know, it's that depth that Boston has. They seem to, sort of like the Cardinals, have a roster that doesn't necessarily wow you, but they get contributions from their entire roster. And that's why they were able to hang in. Uh, you know, they had led for a good part of the early part of the year and then started to fade and then, you know, came on strong enough in the end to reach the playoffs. So, you know, the Boston Red Sox, much like the Cardinals, will be a dangerous team that you say maybe on paper wouldn't be favored. But, you know, if and when they advance, uh, they could, you know, cause some trouble for these other teams you wrote about the 17 game winning streak of the cardinals and i, I gotta wonder on your site thecardinalnation.com and compared it to 64 and the, the the sprint to the finish and what we saw this year i do have to wonder about momentum now you've had a couple of days off you dropped two of three over the weekend but you know one was rain short and it's the cubs you lost one with two outs in the ninth um i i just gotta wonder if that streak propels this team with momentum into postseason play you know, that's a, a great point, Dan, and the Cardinals, you know, they finally did lose that game after the, you know, the 17th game was the one that actually clinched 
the postseason berth, and you know that Mike so wisely started to rest a number of players. But then they, you know, got the momentum back and played well in the last series, even though they, they lost two, three to the Cubs. You know, those games were all one-run games. And, you know, with full firepower, uh, the Cardinals easily could have probably swept that series. So, you know, they're coming in with the confidence of that long, of that long win streak. But, you know, on the other side of the coin, the Dodgers have won 15 straight at home. So, and, you know, we, you know they obviously, uh, you know, had this tremendous uh, over 100-win season. And so, they're, you know, they're not going to be an easy opponent. They have their own streak. Absolutely, and the Cardinals have played well, winning a bunch in a row on the road. So that's what makes this kind of fun. Um, let's go back to some minor league guys. There's a, a taxi squad with the playoffs, and as a reward to an extent, some of those guys uh, in the minor leagues are, are joining the Cardinals in L.A. That's right. Um, uh, a number of players from Memphis, including infielders uh, Brendan Donovan and Kramer Robertson, uh, Donovan's more of a corner guy, but can also play up the middle. Kramer Robertson is a shortstop second baseman, played them some third as well. And uh, Juan Yepes, who is the um, young uh, corner infielder, corner outfielder, who uh, led the system in home runs this year, as well as Nick Plummer, who uh, Nick Plummer, of course, is an outfielder. The Cardinals drafted in the first round in 2015 and uh, really languished his first four years in the system, but had a breakout year between Springfield and uh, Memphis this year. And then catcher Ali Sanchez, who has been the third catcher. You know, he was kind of the guy who was around most of the season um, on reserve had there been an injury. So, you know, there's these, you know, group of young players. None of them are on the 40-man roster except with the exception of Sanchez. So, you know, if Yepes, for example, the, you know, the Cardinals wanted to add him to the 26 uh, players that they would have on their roster, they would have to put him on the 40-man first. But that could easily be done because of, uh, you know, pitchers that are injured, players that are injured that aren't going to appear the rest of the season anyway. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether, the, you know, the baseball has a history of young guys who nobody's ever heard of emerging in the playoffs. And, you know, Juan Yep has uh, hit 27 home runs this season uh, in the in the system that, you know, topping the, the Cardinals. And, uh you know, he's, you know, you never know. I guess you never, you can say you never know what happens. And the other thing on Juan Yep is he was named uh, the AAA, uh, AAA All-Star first baseman for the uh, East League uh, just yesterday. So he's being recognized around the game, Juan Yep has, uh, a right-handed hitter, 22 years old, as a guy that, uh, you know, could make some noise in the future. How about Matthew Liberatore? Yeah, Matthew Libertor is the other player who was named to the AAA East All-Star team. And you know, he's a guy that we've watched all year and tracked very closely. But, you know, and, and he's not among the group called up to St. Louis right now. He's, you know, his chance will be next spring. But I think it's important to look back and see what Libertor did over his last 10 appearances of the season. And I'm talking about from the beginning of August on. Um, he not only delivered an ERA under three in those games, those last 10 appearances, but he also pitched on an average of over six innings per outing. So you got a guy who came into the year, had never pitched in a game above high A, was dropped into triple A, so he skipped basically two levels of competition. And, you know, granted he had last year in the alternate camp and all, but that really wasn't the same. Skipped two levels, took him a while to get his feet on the ground, but uh, was pitching exceptionally well uh, in triple A. Uh, and so, you know, Matthew Libertor has done nothing to – change his status as the top pitching prospect in the Cardinal system. And I'm sure he'll go home and have his list of things that he's, you know, being asked to work on uh, this winter and be ready to come to camp to big league camp. Yeah. That's an impressive finish. No doubt. Um, I I'm going to be interested a lot with the minor leagues of the Cardinals next year. And I, I say that because this year on the wins and losses, there's no other way to put it. It was a tough year for the minor league system. However, 
I think, Brian, they're the youngest of the the teams. Like, if you look at AAA and, and double and, and single A, they had the youngest team. So they, these guys were pushed a little bit, maybe aggressively, which doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have wins uh, coming your way, but you're getting experience. And that's the bottom line at the minor leagues. Yeah, that's a two-sided coin, Dan. You know, that issue of, of age of the minor league system, it's, it's talked a lot about. And the reality is, yeah, the Cardinals – as a system, we're among the youngest in baseball, whether you talk about AAA, AA, high A, or, or class A. On the other hand, that's where the Cardinals, Cardinals have traditionally been the youngest teams. So like when Memphis won the, won the league in 2017, 2018, they were either the youngest or second youngest in terms of hitting and pitching. So and, and a, a big reason why is the Cardinals don't go out and sign a lot of minor league tr- what you call 4A guys, guys that may have a little major league experience but aren't good enough to necessarily stick. Uh, Matt Caesar was a guy, for example, that the Cardinals signed at outfielder this year, but didn't last long. But a lot of other organizations get more of those guys who typically are older, and the Cardinals do rely on their, you know, homegrown players. But, you know, the last couple of years we've seen them take a step backward in terms of winning, and I'm sure that's not something that they want to continue. You think they go back to to either developing those kids, not to say they're not developing and what they do, but I mean pushing, or do you think next year it's, hey, maybe let's sign some of these guys that have been in the big leagues that are the the 4A type so that we have veteran presence around them and let's win some games this year? I think on the pitching side, they probably will be more. And again, I have no inside information on this. They're not going to tell me what they want to do. But my my guess is that especially on the pitching side, they'll be more aggressive for a couple of reasons. Uh, we saw that at Double A Springfield, for example, uh, the Cardinals brought in like half a dozen pitchers from independent leagues during right. the season. Yeah, very 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 unusual. Not only the number of players brought in, but the fact that they had to be brought in during the season, and that was because you know, the pitching depth just wasn't there between injuries and, as you said, younger guys stepping up and, and you know, getting knocked around a little bit. They needed innings from somewhere. So I th- and, then, and then the other the other factor of that is, you know, you saw the veterans that the Cardinals brought in, whether we're talking about starters like LeBlanc and Lester and Happ, or even relievers like McFarland and, and Garcia, guys that were sort of scrappy. I don't want to call scrappy because they're, you know, at the pinnacle of the game, but guys that were, you know, not considered top major leaguers, you know, you know, the Dodgers went out and got Scherzer and Trey Turner, right? Those, they weren't those kind of guys, but they, they contributed very greatly to the success of the Cardinals this year. And I think, you know, having a few more of those guys type of guys on reserve in Memphis versus having to scrounge your waiver wire is something that if I was, the, if I was Michael Gersh and John Mazalek, I'd certainly look at this year. I want to ask you about uh, tonight. I know you follow the Cardinals uh, major league club, and obviously your emphasis is in the, the minor leagues, but you follow what's happening up here at the major league level day in and day out. Uh, size it up. What do you think happens tonight with the Dodgers and the Cardinals? I, you know, the, uh, for me, one of the key parts of the, the, the big winning streak for the Cardinals was that the offense got ahead early. They got ahead early, and that took some pressure off the pitching. Of course, the starting pitching did well. And, but I think the key is getting to Max Scherzer early, establishing some type of lead, even if it's only one or two runs, to give Wainwright a chance to work. Because, you know, we've seen Adam enough to know he might make a mistake pitch here or there. He's probably not going to pitch a shutout. But, you know, if the Cardinals can scratch out a few runs, you know, they can take this game. And, you know, I, I think, you know, in these kind of games, anything can happen. And both these teams are good or they wouldn't be in the playoffs. So, you know, I think I, I, certainly the Dodgers are favored and I, everybody understands why. But I think the Cardinals have more than a, a, 
small chance of winning this game. It's pretty amazing. We're talking about the Cardinals in the playoffs. Right? I mean, you go back to a few months ago, Brian. These visits were uh, dismal on Wednesdays. There were some tough Wednesdays we had. It was it was hard to be optimistic. I mean, as they got through that stretch of August where they had played all the teams with with middling records and you know continue to play 500 ball and you know it's still amazing not only that they stepped up and won like they did in September but the quality of competition you know that was not cupcakes that they were beating 17 games in a row uh, you know it was just a really really impressive uh, stretch one that's ob- historic I mean it's never happened before and you, you don't want that to be the defining moment for the season right you want to see them win in the playoffs and and go farther than anybody thought they would. Well, you're going to be a busy guy in the next few weeks. we got the Arizona Fall League coming up. You write with new content every day at thecardinalnation.com. I'm sure reviewing uh, all the levels of the minor leagues. So uh, what are you working on in the next week or so? Well, you mentioned before about the, the win-loss record of the Cardinals minor league season. I'll be um, running a series about that, um, looking at not only how the system performed compared to the past, but then also each of the affiliates. Uh, not necessarily a good story, but the numbers are what they are. Uh, we'll also have a series coming up that will look at the statistical leaders of the key stats across the Cardinals minor league system and review those players. We're also um, announcing our best of the, the pitchers of the year, the players of the year at the various minor league levels. And then a week from today is the Arizona Fall League opener. And uh, I plan to be there and see that cover the first week and hopefully get some interviews with some of the uh, prospects and and major league players led by Jordan Hicks that'll be down competing in Arizona. Outstanding. Thanks, Brian. We'll catch you up next Wednesday. Take care, Dan. That's Brian Walton. This is brought to you by Blue Tail Medical Group.